Welcome to Life Changing Money, a podcast all about one of the most taboo topics in the world, money. I'm your host, Barbara Shrehan, and we're going behind the scenes on business owners' journeys to money, success, and wealth. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Life Changing Money. I'm your host, Barbara Shrehans. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We have an amazing guest today, Ryan Stuman. You can't see if you're listening, but we're in his amazing podcast studio. Thanks, Ryan, for being on. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. You know, I had to travel a long ways. I mean, you know, maybe 10, 15 feet to make this happen. So, uh, you know, put in a lot of effort to get here. So, you know, <laughs> let's, let's hope this goes well. So. Well, I appreciate your time. You have literally the biggest event you've ever put on coming up in like two weeks. So thanks for keeping me on your calendar. Yeah. Uh, little stressful time over here, but, but, uh, but I got this and, uh, you know, uh, like we were saying before, I really don't do a lot of podcasts anymore and stuff like that, but there's few people like yourself that I believe have a message and, and stuff that needs to get out into an audience. And if you want to leverage my name, good or bad to, to do that, maybe it'll work for you. So Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, just to let everyone know kind of how we met, I don't even know how I started following you, but I think I've been following you on Instagram for years. And then one of our mutual friends randomly posted like, Hey, I'm going to Cabo with this guy, Ryan, there's two spots left. Who wants to go? And I was like, well, I want to go to Cabo. Um, so we, we traveled to Cabo and we met. I, I knew we met there. Who was the guy? Tony. Kasai. Yeah. Oh, no shit. I didn't know you guys knew each other before. Yeah. It's so random. Awesome. Well, kind of. He slid in my DMs okay. on Instagram uh, uh, I got because I do taxes and he was doing tax okay. stuff. So he was like, I want to know more about what your tax strategy is. And so Makes we sense. had we had been chatting for a while and then that was like our first chance to meet in person. So then went to Cabo. Now you're my business coach. Yeah. We're in Apex. That's awesome. And That's such a fun event. Is it not? Oh like, my gosh. That whole experience. I hate coming home. Well, now I, I stole, mean? I stole your location. Yeah. If you didn't know, I have the two mansions rented for our next retreat. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. you know what to do. Cause you've watched this. You, yeah. you probably got all of our people. I was like, Tyler, like, who's yes, the caterer? Exactly. That's the way to do it. That's <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. Uh, steal and duplicate or whatever. They that's say. right. Um, but if you want to kind of give us a little bit of background, I know you've had like, I feel like 10 lives, but yeah. So, uh, in, in the business sense, I, I've been, uh, I've made the transition on all four levels from being an employed person. I was a salesperson. Uh, I've never had like a, a salary job my whole life. I've always been on commission or whatever, but I made the transition transition from salesperson to self-employed uh, and, and from self-employed after time, building everything up into becoming a, a CEO of several companies that are very successful and in, in uh, some of them industry leaders and, um, and I'm also an investor. So like tax stuff is important to me, obviously at this point in the game, very important because taxes aren't important until you got to write checks with two commas to these fuckers. You yeah. know what I mean? Then they become really, really sorry. I don't know if you want people to cuss on your but show. You're fine. We're going to talk about taxes. So there's going to be cussing. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, now I'm really trying to make the transition, which I'm doing a good job of from CEO of my businesses to just the owner of them to where I can really focus more on investing. And that's not something that's going to happen overnight um, as far as me just having that ownership, but that's really where I'm headed for, for those of you that, that are listening, that don't know me uh, I'm the 
CEO of a company called phonesites.com. It's a software company where we basically have idiot proof technology to build websites, digital business cards, all sorts of cool stuff at a low cost that you couldn't do anywhere else. Uh, I run one of the largest mastermind networks in existence called Apex Entourage, uh, located in Dallas, Texas, but we have members all over the world. And, uh, and like I said, it's one of the biggest movements out there. I throw huge events. Uh, a small event for us these days is about 200 people. Sounds crazy to even say our, our biggest event this year so far uh, will be about 2,500 people. We've got about 3,000 people expected, but you know you can always figure if you sh do or don't show up. But um, for our events, we sell uh, our average seat price is five times what the other people do. That's but Ooh. but we deliver and and I say that not because we're selling stuff more expensive. It's like everybody buys the VIP, the back, the stuff most people can't sell. That's the first stuff to to sell out. What we're doing, which is which is pretty interesting. A lot of that's on my mind because we have this huge event. By the time you're listening to this, it'll probably have already passed. We have this huge event coming up in Frisco, and and uh, yeah, I feel like I've I've worked my whole career for something. You know, it's like uh, I feel like. It put it in like a sports sense, you know, you, you fight, if you're a fighter, you, you, you knock this weak dude out and then they put you in with somebody who's a little bit better and maybe you knock him out too. And then eventually you get knocked out saying, you'll fight the weak guy again and kind of start back over. Right. And yeah. so eventually though, you get to fight the, the champ, you got an opportunity to get the belt. And, uh, and that's cool. I feel like, you know, in my, you know, I'm about to get a, a belt of some sort. But at the same time, it's like, now you got to keep it. Now everybody, the, the next guy coming up is trying to beat you up, you know, and, and, and this is, this, this business game's a lot like that, but I feel like I'm at a moment where, um, like there's going to be a belt in the business world clinched, you know, Ooh. metaphorically. So, yeah. So I love the, the five times ticket price. I want to dig into that in a little bit, but I know your childhood was a little bit, um, rough, right? I think we have similar backgrounds in that sense. And so, I want to know kind of what you heard growing up in terms of money, money mindset stuff, and how that kind of affected when you started in business. Yeah, a lot of people have asked me that. Uh, and I remember a very specific incident because I don't remember my parents talking about money much. You know, we didn't really have any, so it wasn't really a subject. And as a kid, like my kids are very, they understand everything about money. They know what everything costs and, you know, all this stuff because that's how I am. My parents weren't that way. But I remember there was a guy named Dudeski that had a, a Bronco and a boat that he used to bring in the car wash. I, my father uh, managed the car wash, right? And so this guy would bring his badass Bronco, like OJ Simpson's Bronco. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, we look at it now, but that was the shit in those days, yep. right? We were we were really seeing what skills Broncos had in them live on TV from Los <laughs> Angeles back then. Anyway, so um, and in a boat, and I would wax all the stuff. And, and one day I asked the guy, like, what do you do? He's like, I own a construction company, right? Turns out all these years later, those are still some of the richest fucking people in America. Nobody knows. You see a guy with boots and Wranglers on, yeah. he got long money in the construction world. Anyway, back to the story. Um, like, oh, that's awesome. So I get in the ride. I'm, I'm like 13, 14, something at the time. I get in the truck at the end of the day to go home with my dad. It's like, you know, dude, he said he owns his own business. You know, he's a construction guy. Do you ever think about doing something like that? And I'm sure it was insulting as fuck to my, my father at the time. You know, kids just say some stuff. He goes, man, the thing with being self-employed is he can say he makes millions of dollars, but he doesn't really own that car. And he's got investors that he's got to pay and he's got to work on a margin. And he goes, son, somebody else is having to deal with that stuff. And I just got a job that I show up with every day and perform and make money. Mm. And, and I'm like, 
okay, but I'm sitting here thinking, we're driving a piece of shit truck home. You know what I mean? And, and Dusky just pulled off with like a 40-foot boat that I spent eight hours waxing today. You know what I mean? The, you know, you don't know as a kid how much you paid for that, but you know you ain't got one, mm-hmm. right? And, and the one that you borrow from your dad's friends, like a little John boat, it's not the same, <laughs> right? So, you know, that was really my, my first thing. So I'm thinking, oh, self-employed is risky. Years later, 2005, I create my first LLC and I become self-employed. I left the, the mortgage company because I didn't want to be, um, uh, I was doing mortgages at the time. I didn't want to have like the fiduciary duty of managing your finances and flipping homes to you. So I just went to flipping homes or wholesaling homes full time. So I started my first LLC and I was proud. Hey dad, look, I got, you know, a business license, mm-hmm. you know? And he says, uh, man, you got to be careful. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. I'm sure glad that I don't have to deal with that. And like most people, I fucked that up. I'm sure you fucked up. You're you're really smart. So maybe you didn't fuck up your first <laughs> business. Most of us fucked our first business up. I definitely fucked it up because I had partners, lesson learned. Mm. But, uh, and you know how I feel about that now, but I had partners. So I, 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 I fucked that first business up and it was a real big, proud peacock. I told you so, I warned you uh-huh. moment. which was actually more fuel to be like, ah, fuck, I'm still got a bigger boat than you. You know what I'm saying? I'm still going to get the, I don't even like boats, but again, you know, I don't like to fight either, but my metaphors are off the charts today on this episode. So (laughs) love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so dad told you don't start a business and now you have a bajillion businesses. Yeah. Now I've helped a lot of people. Now I'm a lot of people's dad who helps them start businesses. (laughs) If you really think about it, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, and so then your businesses are starting to get more and more successful. What like self-limiting beliefs did you have to work through? A lot, you know, especially if you come from humble beginnings, the first, the first set is that you don't owe anybody from your school or your hometown or even your family shit. And I know that a lot of people hear that and they think, man, this guy must be cold hearted. Well, my life is a little different than most. I've been adopted in prison, a bunch of other shit that we, you can Google it. We don't have to, to, to I'm not embarrassed of them, just saving time. If you care that much, look somewhere else other than this episode. But, but be, because of that, a lot of that's a hundred percent of that is be my fault because I chose to hang around the wrong people. Right. I remember, uh, getting out of prison and going like right back to the same people thinking that I was just, I was just going to carry myself and behave better. Make it the fuck. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You become who you hang out with. So the first thing I had to do is, is like, and, and really, and maybe some of y'all listen to experiences uh, in a short period of time, I went from the dude that got out of prison in my little neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. The dude that moved out of the neighborhood was a banker making a bunch of money. But now I go back for barbecues and parties, right? Some kid's birthday party, whatever the case, right? And now I'm like the fancy guy. And I'm thinking they'd be cheering me on and happy for me. And really, they're plotting to my demise behind the scenes. So I had to realize I needed to get around somebody else who was winning because winners push each other to keep winning more. And, and if you're a winner who's hanging around with not necessarily losers, but people who aren't even competing, Let's just call it that, right? Like people mm-hmm. who aren't even competing, then what's going to happen is they're going to get mad. Just like you're watching Sunday football and you're like, damn it. Why didn't he just fucking, why didn't he run? There was a hole right there. Clearly that guy has giants chasing him, trying to <laughs> kill him. You're sitting on the fucking couch with a Bud Light and a bowl of popcorn talking about why he didn't do some shit, right? It's easy to not even compete to talk about the competitors. You know what I mean? And so, so going back into this, it's like, you know, now, 
The first limiting belief, get rid of those people. Second limiting belief is like, once you start making a hundred grand, you, maybe you're in a corporate job or maybe you start your own business and you're in a networking deal with realtors and insurance people and y'all are all making a hundred grand. You can only stay around those people for so long too. This, this is, this, this, this is going to fuck people up and you can argue with me. You can hate me, but I'm living it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking living it right, right this minute. You have to lead the people from the neighborhood and you have to level up your friends to people that are making six figures a year. And it's not just in business, people that are taking care of themselves. You don't want to, hey, this guy makes a bunch of money, but you know, never mind his crack habit. You don't want to hang out with Hunter Biden's. You know what I'm saying? You want to fucking hang out with people that are, that are successful at that level, but you want to pass them. You want to get to know them, get their habits, see what you do and don't like about those people and pass them. Next thing you know, you're in the half a million dollar and we're just judging by money because money is typically a reflection of the value somebody brings to the life and the environment and the economy. So just talking about this, but the $500,000 a year people are way different than the $100,000 a year people. In a sense, the $500,000 a year people, in my experience, start making you not believe that they have much money and the hundred thousand dollar people make you believe that they got all the money in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and I'm telling you from my personal experience, meaning I was both of those motherfuckers and, and, and beyond. Right. But when I had a hundred grand, I thought I was in a year. I thought I was in tall cotton. You know what I mean? Like shit, I'm big, big bread over here. Nobody in my family's ever done this. And then you get around the guy that owns the bank and you're like, that guy makes that a week, you know? And it's like, Oh shit, there's a, a whole other level. And it's not a, Again, it is a money thing because money is second only to air, but it is a who I have to become personally to 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 be able to think and attract that because you're not going to go outwork money. You're not going to go, hey, if I just swing this hammer harder, if I just mow this lawn faster, I'll make more money. That's that's not how you'll never get to that level. You got to figure out how to think properly. So who do I have to become and how do I have to think to go to the next level? 500, a million, a million, 10 million, because one to uh, seven to eight figures doesn't matter. You're seven figures at nine million. You're seven figures at one million. You're a millionaire. There it is. But you got to go to eight. I remember being in masterminds, and because uh, that's where ultimately it led me to. And I'm in a mastermind with people that are making a million dollars three years later. I'm like, fuck, man, how come I can't get the million or two million dollars a year? Why can't I break this? I'm like, shit. I, that's who I'm hanging around. That's the conversation I'm having. So that's the limiting belief that uh, I'm putting on myself because of what I see. So I stretch myself. I get in some shit that was way beyond what, what I should have been in at the time. But I'm a good salesman. I talk my way into places that I shouldn't be all the time. And and I'm like, these guys are making nine figures like it ain't nothing. They got, you know, multiple billion dollar assets and shit. And I'm like, OK, so this is going to cause me to have to stretch a whole lot to, to become these people. Because what I notice is the, the person that makes a hundred grand a year, they hustle their sales. They, they got their territory, the commission, their bonus, whatever quota they got to make. And they're the person that does a quarter. They're the top producers of the sales, like in the, in mating the quota, they're the middle management people, the people making 500 grand typically have a few folks working for them and they're building a business. But the folks that are doing eight, nine figure a year plus businesses, those people are leaders. That's the number one skill that they have to fucking master to run those companies is being a leader. And at some point you become the person, if you do it correctly, you become the person where they start leaving their limiting belief people in the past and come and, and attract to you because you are a prolific leader in the marketplace. So I love that. It's who you have to become. Like I've even noticed it because we're growing and expanding so, so quickly. Like I go on a walk every morning and I'm like picking up trash. I didn't do that when I was making 50 grand a year or like putting the the cart away at, at Target. You know, no. I was the 
<laughs> the idiot putting the cart in the parking spot. Right. Um, and, but it's just like realizing like how you do one thing is how you do Absolutely. everything and you just up level and become a better person. Um, you know, I, I want to say something to that is because maybe those listening, because obviously this is a new show. So those listening don't, don't understand that. Why would you pick up trash or put a cart back? It's like, first of all, there's two types of people. Let me rephrase that. First of all, there's two types of motherfuckers. There's motherfuckers that do shit and motherfuckers that fuck shit up that motherfuckers that do shit have to fix. A lot of people litter. They throw, there was a guy yesterday, I'm driving behind him. He got Mississippi license plates. He just throws a Swisher Sweet piece of, this little piece of trash that you get from the cigar, but out the window, it's like, but bro, you could throw that in the car. And then when you stop somewhere, there's trash cans on every corner, blah, blah. That's what average ass people do. But let's just say you're not religious. But let's just say if you were or if you're not, doesn't matter. But God's got a point system. Okay. And this isn't something to flash the public. Barbara's not saying I picked up trash today and snapping it on Instagram. It's just something that we do. I do this too, because for all these average people that are throwing trash in the streets, if a few of us exceptional people just pick up as we walk the trail, as we walk to the car, as we leave the building that we work in, as we see our neighbors got a piece of trash in front of their house, if we just pick it up, not only are we doing our part to keep the world beautiful and to protect the environment from trash, but we're doing just that one little thing that nobody else will do. People think they're above picking up trash. They throw it. They shit on this planet. And what if there's some sort of internal point system where, you know, you hold the door for somebody, man, you're getting a point with karma. You pick up a piece of trash. You're getting a point with karma. You walk an old lady across the road. You're getting a point, a car. You rescue, like, these things that nobody's doing because they say, oh, there's no reward for picking up trash. I don't get paid to pick up trash. You know, I, mm -hmm. this there's nobody going to, they're not going to make a street after me. So why would I pick up trash? It's like, it's the right thing to do because it's trash. Right. You know? Yeah. So back to the, you receive 5X in ticket sales than your average competitor. I remember when I started in my business, I had this, this hiccup on worthiness. Like, am I, I almost started feeling guilty when people started paying me like, oh, am I actually worth this much? And then I had to work through this like value system of like, hell yeah, I'm like, we're saving people so much money we deserve and we provide the value to, to get this much. So how do you think you've gotten to where now people are paying you five times what other people are doing? A uh, couple things. Uh, your your business and my business are very same uh, in the sense that people have a hard time trusting us. Um, most people are full of shit in both of our businesses. Oh, yep. we're going to save you money. It's like, fuck, this is more money last year, but you made more money. And technically, we right. Like, you know, OK, uh, same in this business. Hey, I'm going to help you get rich in 90 days. Like, dude, it's been 900 days. I'm broke as fuck. Give me my money back. <laughs> right. Like that's that's this industry. And uh, that you're in and I'm in. So they're very similar in that. And, you know, on your end, you're asking for CPAs and, and financial advisors and people that talk about estate planning and stuff like that. How do they justify it? When when I first started asking somebody for a thousand dollars a month, I thought that was insane. You know what I mean? Like I, I at the time was paying five grand a month for my mentor, but like there was a room of five of us. You know what I mean? Nobody else was doing that shit. And, but I needed to learn some stuff. But I thought, okay, well, he said there ain't nothing to it but to do it. Somebody will pay it. So I made an offer. And 
I'll never forget. There was like 20 people that paid me within like the first couple of days. And I wasn't a big deal. This is, we're talking 2013. Like not that I'm a big deal now, but nobody knew me. I didn't have a verified profile on a bunch of You're videos. You're a big deal. It's fine. And, and thank you for that. But, uh, and, and so like now I got on each call before they, they sold to me one thing that I've always done in this industry and, and maybe it works for yours too. It's like a, a loan officers are what I started with. So the average loan officer makes 2,500 bucks per deal and they do three to five deals per month, right? They do way more than real estate agents. So they're making, you know, 10, 15, depending on their, their pay structure, anywhere from eight to $25,000 a month, right? So if I loan, if I get them to close one more loan a month, pretty fucking simple, they're going to make another $2,500 ish, right? And if I charge a thousand dollars, it's like, surely, you know what I mean? If I help you add one more loan to your, mm -hmm. your, your deal per month, then I'm going to be worth my fee. Right. But then what happens in, in my particular situation is they start seeing, Oh, this came from here. This came, Oh, that is tied to Stuman. So they see the value in it, which ultimately over time. Now I know that it doesn't matter what business you're in. It's like, Hey, I had two people just this morning. And uh, it's, it's crazy to say this, but just this morning say, uh, hey, I saw that you were charging $200,000 to coach people. I will wire you the money up front. And I had to tell both of them no from the sense of like, I got this event going on and like, I don't know what's going to happen after that. So it may be August before I could even talk to you. So like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to turn down $400,000 this this morning. But you I also got to know what, what I've got to do to take care of people. So you say, first of all, that second, what's what allows me to charge more money is I have results over the years. You know, I've got 30,000 clients. I don't have any one-star reviews. Um, there, I have haters. None of them have been clients. And if they have a hater that's been a client, they probably owe me money. Yep. Okay. Uh, I have the receipts for everything that I've done. I have been 100% in integrity this whole time. I've never hidden shit from anybody. Think about it. I've had three over the last 10 years, full-time secretaries leave here and that know everything about me. If there was anything to be fucking told, those ladies would have, there's no NDAs with them. Those ladies would have told, there ain't no secrets. And so I think that has a lot to do with it because they say, Hey, if Ryan says the shit's going to be good, he's proven his word for 10 years that he's not lying. It's mm -hmm. going to be good. Um, and the last part, and this is the most important. So I saved it for last is I do this for the, the people. I do it for the experience. I don't raise money. I don't have an agenda. Uh, we're going to mention Apex for 30 minutes over the course of three days. That's it. The speakers aren't selling anything. Nobody's coming there as a pitch fest. You're not allowed to. It's the complete opposite of a lot of these other things. And uh, because of that, people want to come back. You know, they uh, there was two people that I know of that got married that, that met in uh, last year's MDM. Uh, Brandon Burgesson and, and, and uh, Kristen LaRock got married and uh, Melissa Bombada and, and some guy that she met. I don't know him. I just know Melissa from being in Apex, some guy she met at MDM. They just got married like a week ago. And wow. she's like, we met at this entrepreneur event. I was like, I'd appreciate a tag. Fuck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> An invite like, to yeah, the I wedding. A, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I really do not like weddings, so don't invite me to the wedding. But I, like, the tag in the post is cool. We met at Ryan Steuben's deal. But yeah. like that. And that's just what I know. That's just the people that I know. There may have been other folks. So having that experience, like people meet and get married there. And, you know, maybe one day we'll have somebody propose. We had somebody propose at our event in Cabo that was really cool, you know. So, um, but I, I think that's what it is. People see that, that all these years I haven't shit on anybody, you know, and a lot of people don't know this. Um, but in 2019, I had a gentleman make a promise from my stage that cost about 
He hurt people to the tune of $160,000, and he disappeared, and I paid it. I paid it all off, the whole, and I say 160, it may have been more, it was over 100 grand, right? I remember what the numbers were, because it was 2019. It was a fucking lot of money, a lot more than I had to just give away, right? You know, I yeah. could, uh, uh, more than I could afford, too. You know, God's always been good. I never missed a meal, but that was like, son of a bitch, right? So, um, 2020, the following year, case this MDM, this just guy makes a deal and I got to make it right for him so that my audience, but I earned respect because of it. Cause I honored the fact that, Hey, I'm responsible. I brought him here the next year. We sell out MDM again, fucking pandemic hits. <laughs> so now I can't have it. Hotel calls me. They're like, I don't know what to tell you. So I gave everybody their money back times 10. I say, you can take 10 times in my store credit or I will give you your cash money back immediately, whatever you want. So if you paid a hundred bucks, you got a thousand dollars in credit to buy whatever the fuck that you want. If you pay 200, you can do the math um, or I'll send it back to you. I don't think anybody asked for their money back. Uh, maybe five people, you know, most of them wanted to buy products or whatever, but then I gave them the event for free anyway. I got all my friends to live stream in from, I was the first one to do this shit. Now everybody does this on the regular, yeah. but I had to like pivot and make my, my people happy. So you think the first year, some dude fucks them, but old uncle Stuman steps in or dad Stuman steps in and takes care of things next year. Damn, the damn government shut them, shut the whole country down. It's like, Hey, but Stuman still made his friends live stream through YouTube for this thing and gave us our money back. Right. So last year when we opened the doors, like, boom, it sold out in like four or five days. Cause everybody's like, Hey, man, we've been trying to, to reach you about your car's warranty. Basically anyway, they're like trying to get back with us cause we were doing the right thing. And then ultimately uh, in, in this year, you know, we sold out a stadium of people uh, in like three weeks, you know. Amazing. We, we were going to use Tom Brady as the person. This is the really the, I'm just going to say this, fucking fuck me for maybe sounding arrogant, but we were going to use Tom Brady to sell this thing. I, I didn't get to mention him until last week, and it was already sold out by the time. Like, we were 150 seats shy of sold out by the time we mentioned him, and it wasn't like they all of a sudden went at once. Like, nothing changed. They were still ones and twos for the next 24 hours until we sold them. It wasn't. Uh, we mentioned him, and immediately people went and bought right. those tickets, and I'm like, I had the realization. That's why I say the, the ego, but, like, man, like we, it's not me, but Ed, my let, my friend, E.T., Sean Wayne, like we sold this fucking stadium out. Like rock bands can't do that shit right now. Very few of them, yeah. you know? Um, and I was in Boston the other day and there was a, a rapper concert, pretty popular guys, like 5 million followers. I'm not going to say his name, but his concert uh, was sold out with 2,000 people. And I'm like, damn, we're doing bigger concerts than these like mainstream people, you know? Uh, our event won't smell as much like weed as that one did because I was in the restaurant <laughs> next door. It's like, holy shit, that is amazing. Whatever's going on in there. But, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a good feeling to, to, to know it's like, Hey, because of keeping my word and doing those things, people want to come back and be a part of this community every year. And I just see it, you know, I don't know what size it's going to be next year or how I'm going to deal with all that, but like, whatever, you know, we'll figure it out. I heard you say that, like in the last month or something like that, you've spent more money in the last month than you have your first 30 something years. Probably. So it, it, it is, uh, it's a lot for me personally that I've probably paid taxes on the first 30 years of my life's about right. You know, um, cause I worked from the time I was eight years old for $3 and 85 cents an hour up until I was 30 
had a few setbacks for the whole prison thing where it was a couple of years where I wasn't employed, <laughs> wasn't getting paid. I was employed. I was working really hard. Trust me. But, um, but even I made my first million in 2005 when I was 26. So, you know, like in a year, you know, and so, uh, it's still a lot of money, but yeah, I wrote more money than I paid from my, all my whole entire real estate portfolio, which is not small, you know, the last, last month. <laughs> I, I have, I'll just say this. My, my wife is uh, my best friend, amazing human. She says in the beginning of the year, hey, this year, why don't you like invest in yourself? Right. And I'm like, but I don't need another mastermind. She goes, no, no, no. Figure out like how to go in on you. And so she goes, you always get the best return when you figure out how to do something you want to do. And so I go through like, all right, and decide to make this event bigger. I decided to do this bigger. Instead of maybe taking money out and putting it in real estate, it's like I'll put it into myself in one way or another. And uh, she's right. You know, this has been the, the I, I've been giving money to these outside resources, which are doing great. We're not, I'm not shitting on that. When all along I had this, this whole golden goose in, inside right here, we've hired a bunch more people. We're up to 70 something employees. We've got like this, this, it's just a, a crazy thing that we're building across our stuff because um, she said, you know, Hey, invest in yourself, you know, and it, it's fucking scary. But those of you who know, and I know, you know, if you know, you're going to do the work, you don't ever have a problem betting on yourself, you yep. know, but I have drained that fucking bank account since she said that like six fucking times. <laughs> I never had an NSF fee in my life. None of that shit. But when I say drain, like that motherfucker's like, Hey, if we, we got about three, we are running on empty and we got like three more exits. till there's a gas station, like a few times, you know? So, but you know, if they say scared money, don't make no money, you know? And, and I, I often get asked, how do you do that? Like, holy shit, how you put that scary as fuck for your family or whatever. And I'm like, look, I've been to fucking prison. I am not scared of some kind of financial consequences. I have people that believe in me. If I need money, I can get it from them, blah, blah, blah. There was plenty of people offered to fund this shit. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, I'll pay for it. Give you a loan. You don't even have to take the risk. I'm like, hell no, because I don't like debt. Nope. I don't have partners, investors, debt, any of that shit. But, but if you know that you're going to do the work, you never mind betting on yourself, you know? And I knew that fuck, if I did this and I paid all this money, if I had to make phone calls myself and be the hardcore closer, then that's not fucking, that's how we had to sell tickets. And that's how the fuck we were going to sell tickets, you know? So the podcast is called life changing money. Do you have like a number in mind? Like when are you done? Or uh, is it a feeling? Ever. Why, why would I want it? That's such a, your grandpa's way of thinking. When would you want to be done? You ever see anybody who's like retired and happy? They live in old folks homes and, and they lie to you and they say, oh, you know, I, I retired, sold my company and bought a boat and, you know, sailed the world. And then I just decided to settle in Oklahoma. And I'm not shitting on Oklahoma. I live in Texas, right? I'm just saying, like, you know, there's not fucking nothing there. It's not like a beautiful part of the country. Now, again, I'm not shitting on it, but it's not that person's probably dream. But they spend their money sailing the world and then they go settle down in, you know, Kansas or Nebraska or fucking the panhandle of Texas. Just some blah part where they, it makes sense for them to live comfortably financially on their retirement. Cause you can't do that in Dallas, Texas or, or Fort Worth or LA. Right now, the myth is that we are going to love being on the beach for the rest of our life. When it's such a lie that you ever go on vacation, like three days into you, like I get the fuck back to the office. <laughs> what, what if there's no office to get the fuck back to you? You, you will die of fucking like stress and anxiety and not having a mission. So I want, 
my mission is to help as many people as possible become the greatest version of themselves. And that's not going to die till I die. And hopefully somebody's going to pick it up and run with the ball for them if I've done my job right. But I don't want to stop. So it's not a how much money is enough. You know, um, I probably have enough now. I'm not a fancy guy. I got the cars that I like and I have hustled my way through those. I've, I've got the watches that I like. And, and that's really the two only fancy things. My wife keeps trying to get me to buy a bigger house. I'm like, but I like this one. Let's just renovate the bathroom. <laughs> right. Like that's that's just how I am. I don't I don't need those things. I like flying private, but I split the fee with all my friends. So it's not as, you know, flashy as you guys think it is. And so I, I, I guess I probably have enough now, but um, but I, I want to pay off churches, mm. right? Like like more than one. Um, I think that like streets can be named after me, you know, and and uh, so that's really where I'm thinking more than you know uh, how much money, you know. So I, I think my kids and my wife and I are probably going to be okay where we're at now, but. How can I do something that makes a way bigger fucking impact than some dollar in my bank account will do, you know? So I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I cannot wait for MDM. This episode will come out before MDM. So hopefully even more people will hear about it and love it. So thank you. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Changing Money. Don't forget to subscribe. And I would love if you left a review and shared it with your friends. See you next time.